podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi everyone and welcome to Cricket Daily. I'm Paul Dennett. I'm joined by Barrett Sunderason. And I'm not on no sleep, but I'm on very little sleep. I have spent a night with Dom Sibley, watching him ball after ball. 60 not out off 207. England draw the first test against New Zealand. That's going to be one of our main talking points today. We've also got the uh, Ollie Robinson situation is being close to getting closer to a resolution. Sri Lanka's tour of England is in some doubt. Ireland has played Netherlands yet again. And is Oman going to be a co-host of the World Cup? G'day, Barrett. How are you going? Very good, Paul. Uh, I never thought uh, the time would come when uh, we would be doing a cricket podcast and talking about the Netherlands and Oman. <laughs> I'll be very honest with you. But um, unlike you, I did not mind Dom Sibley and um, his sleep-inducing knock last night uh, because that's what Test cricket needs. Uh, but we'll come to that. So to summarise the match, New Zealand 378, England replied with 275. And then, of course, the fourth day being washed out really kind of robbed the game of its uh, ultimate chance to have a great result. New Zealand did declare on day five at lunch. They were six down for 169. So they set England 273 off a nominal 75 overs at a run rate of 3.64. England didn't go for the runs. They finished at 3 for 170 when the game came to its conclusion. Uh, what do you reckon, Barrett? Should they have gone more aggressively? Uh, not really. Not with that brittle English batting lineup. I really don't blame them. Uh, and it wasn't a it wasn't a very easy pitch to score runs either. I mean, yes, it wasn't. Uh, uh, there weren't any demons in it. Uh, and I thought New Zealand bowled uh, creditably well. They bowled pretty well, but. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I I did not back. I expect England to go after the go after the total, like especially after the way they had batted right in the first innings. Uh, a lack of experience. A lot of people have come out and said, "Oh, there were no World Test Championship points at stake." Uh, yeah, but the World Test Championship, uh, at least it's brought the World Test Championship into <laughs> conversation. It's given it more relevance than it did when people were actually part of the tournament. <laughs> so I love that argument. There's been no World Test Championship points at stake for about 142 years. Of exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but David Lloyd's gone on and said that it was, uh, uh, I think he's really criticized the test match, called it a boring test, I think, or the most disappointing test or something along those lines. Uh, but I don't get it. I think rarely do you see teams show intent to save a test these days. So um, call me old school, Paul, but um, I didn't mind the way England batted at all. You rarely get to see that. Yeah, I, I, the only thing I would say is that if they had changed their batting order and uh, promoted some of their big hitters to give it a, a to, to bat expansively and then to to shut down if needs be, that might have been different rather than having, you know, you could have had Sibley come out later on and, and close things down. But 
it's very easy to say that when you're not, your neck's not on the line. Had Root gone for it and lost, then yeah. the criticism would have been absolutely scathing. So I, I can understand. The, the other thing that's slightly disappointing is that if the overs each day that were missed because of slow over rates could have been added back on, we might have ended up having quite an interesting exactly. um, conclusion exactly. to the game. In terms of the best players, Devin Conway, man of the match for his debut 200. Uh, Henry Nichols, 61 in the first innings, was good. Rory Burns for England, 132. Ollie Robinson, a wonderful debut in terms of on the field, seven wickets, and he scored a, a useful 42. Tim Southey took seven wickets as well. And Dom Sibley, I um, I wasn't actually criticising him. I quite enjoy. I, I thought he batted really well. I thought New Zealand mm. actually bowled quite well. And on another day, they might have won it because there were enough half chances that they created. And credit to, to, to Sibley. He doesn't draw your thoughts to Mark War or David Gower or Victor Trumper, but he got the job done and, um, you know, a well-earned, well-earned draw. And as you said, um, Barrett, the surface wasn't so ideal. Joe Root said, um, having played on that wicket for a few days, we knew it wasn't going to be as straightforward as it looked. And he basically said that the target wasn't realistic. Moving on to Kane Williamson, another failure. He's now had 10 innings in England in his test career, averaging 26.1. If you sp- Remove that from his overall career. His average outside England is 55.8. Why, why can't he succeed in England? It's funny, actually. Like The first thing they tell you uh, when you go to England uh, as a batsman is play the ball late. Play it as late as possible. And what is Kane Williamson known exactly, for yeah. playing the ball late? We've heard Steve Smith and Coley and Joe Root all talk about how uh, that's one aspect of uh, his skills that they want to borrow. Uh, the the way he uh, plays the ball so late. But we saw in the first innings, I guess he played it a bit too late and <laughs> yes. he played on. Um, and, uh, well, we've seen, like, look, England's never going to be the easiest place to bat, uh, bat in for whoever. Virat Kohli struggled on the 2014 tour, came back strongly in 2018, uh, as every Indian will tell you. But uh, it, it, it's a strange one with Kane Williamson. Maybe he, maybe he just... Uh, you know, maybe he just overthinks it uh, and ends up playing a bit too too late, like we saw in the first innings. And yeah, I mean, him missing balls and letting balls hit his pads, which uh, doesn't happen, doesn't happen uh, when he bats anywhere else. So it, it's a strange one, but 10 test matches is a decent yardstick. So yeah, maybe he's saving it up for the World Test Championship final where he doesn't have to face England. Very true, very true. Now, Ollie Robinson has, is going to miss... At least the next test match, he's been suspended from all international cricket pending the investigation into the tweets that he sent. Uh, do you think this will be it, that, that, that they will um, limit it to the one test match? Or do you think he might be in for, for a longer suspension? I guess now that they have said um, they're going to investigate it, uh, investigate the matter, I was just reading, they're also trying to find out whether he was contracted with a county uh, because he was 18 or 19 years old. Uh, I was reading somewhere he was uh, just in between two counties at that point. So apparently if uh, he was contacted by a county, then it's an ECB investigation. If he wasn't, then uh, it's another wing which uh, investigates uh, these kind of matters, um, you know, with uncontracted players or non-contracted players. So, uh, well, it was something which, in my opinion, had to happen uh, you know, you couldn't have just gotten away with saying sorry. Um, and, you know, the irony is it was the same day where uh, Sky Sports won the BAFTA Awards for that incredible program that they produced last year with Michael Holding mm. and uh, Ebony Rainfriend. So uh, it, it just tells you that in some ways the world is heading in the right direction. 
Um, these kind of things are not just being brushed aside or not brushed under the carpet. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if you tweeted it nine years ago or 15 years ago. Uh, you need to be taken out of the system, educated, made aware of. Uh, and then, then once the ECB or the powers that be decide that you're ready to come back and represent not just England, but international sport, then you can come back. So I think it's a good move. It's the right move. I was surprised how strongly Joe Root spoke about it. He said, I couldn't believe them personally. I didn't really know how to take it on the surface, meaning referring to the tweet. So he, he, in other other things he spoke of, he was very supportive of Robinson, but he didn't mix his words, uh, which is good to see that that level of leadership. From a pragmatic point of view, and this is kind of a different issue, if I was the ECB, I know that Robinson has now deleted his entire Twitter account, but I would be saying to him, listen, um, were there any other tweets that are yeah. of concern? Because... You wouldn't put it past someone out there to have screen capped those tweets. And then if they think that the Twitter account doesn't exist, the issue is all put to bed. And in three months time, someone starts to drip feed more out there. That would be, uh, you know, very, very poor. So they need to kind of um, get their smarts um, around this sort of thing, I think. Now, the uh, Sri Lankan tour of England uh, is potentially in jeopardy. Sri Lanka is due to tour there on the, uh, they're due to leave on the 9th of June, play three T20s and three one-dayers. But um, there have been 38 players have signed a statement refusing to sign their contracts with Sri Lanka cricket. They're not happy with a few things about uh, the transparency of the rating system that Sri Lanka cricket has designed, among other things. Um, in the past, when this has happened, they've ended up just signing, sort of signing a, a contract for one tour, a little bit like the American government when it shut down that they um, <laughs> they, they extended a little bit. Um, uh, do, you, do you think that's going to happen here or is this going to be potentially a, a huge issue? I think... It potentially uh, could be a big issue because they've they've not had a central contract since last October, none of the Sri Lankan players. And they have been signing these tour contracts. I think they've gone on four tours uh, based on these tour contracts. Uh, But I think finally they put put their foot down and they've said, uh, no, this is not done (laughs) because you've just been dilly-dallying for the longest time. Uh, And a lot of their players had already refused to sign the central contracts. And I was just reading the parameters uh, that uh, the... I think Arvind De Silva and Tom Moody uh, were the ones uh, in charge of putting that the system in place. Right. Uh, the parameters. Sound, I, I think I would have failed uh, if, like, I, it was my appraisal on the line. <laughs> it, it involves, like, yeah. So you, they were marked out of fifty for performance, out of twenty for fitness, out of ten for leadership, out of ten for professionalism, uh, and uh, of for ten for future potential and adaptability. And all that put together, you were uh, uh, the. It was like where. Like, you know, whatever you scored out of 10, like, you know, all those parameters put together. Um, and um, I don't know whether uh, it's really the the transparency in the parameters that is bothering them. Because in, in an earliest report, uh, you saw some of the Sri Lankan players talk about how uh, their pay was reduced threefold or it was threefold lesser than, uh, you know, professional cricketers uh, and they're not even talking about India, England and Australia, even the likes of West Indies, South Africa and wow. other boards which have not been, um, which have been kind of struggling in many ways. Uh, yeah. So that, that doesn't, that won't do it for anyone. I, I'm with the Sri Lankan players here. I love uh, thinking about um, those parameters being presented to Ian Chappell and for his sign off. Do, do you agree with this, um, Chappelle? He'd, <laughs> he'd blow up. <laughs> is, is, is Mickey Arthur involved? It has a sort of uh, echo a little bit of homework gate. Does, do, do you think he's had an involvement in it? Surprisingly, no. I mean, his name doesn't pop up. Uh, it's more Arvind De Silva and uh, Tom Moody. Uh, but yeah, I think like even though they are talking about the parameters and they're talking about central, I think at the end of the day, 
uh, it comes to it comes to cash, right? It comes yeah. to uh, what they get paid. So um, yeah, we, it'll, it'll be interesting to interesting to win, watch and uh, yeah, I mean the ECB will be uh, keen on what's happening there as well. But there are only so many tools you can make on tour contracts. We've seen it with other boards as well. Now, just a couple of quick results uh, in the second one day. Netherlands were beaten this time by Ireland. Netherlands made 157. Ireland got the runs pretty easily with captain Andy Balburnie making 63 not out. Series is now locked at one all. The final game in Utrecht starts later today. And one game from the county championship. We mentioned in one of the earlier shows that Manus Labashain had snapped his poor run of form, scoring 44 in a low-scoring game uh, between Glamorgan and Lancashire. Glamorgan ended up winning that game. They had to make 188 to win. And they did so with Labashane undefeated on 63. Michael Nisa from Australia also took seven wickets for Glamorgan. So uh, great signs there for a couple of prominent Aussies. Lastly today, um, there's some rumours that Oman could actually be involved in hosting the World Cup of T20 cricket. The first round that involves um, Sri Lanka, Ireland, Papua New Guinea, Oman itself, Bangladesh, Namibia, Netherlands and Scotland could be moved to Oman rather than the UAE. Um, this would be quite a landmark moment. Do you think it's likely to happen? Uh, it looks very likely to happen because it uh, the T20 World Cup uh, will be clashing with the IPL, it looks like. Uh, and as a result, as we've spoken about it in the past, so the ICC needs seven days, uh, uh, you know, uh, with a venue before the tournament starts. They need to get everything ready. So it looks like that might not happen. Uh, and, you know, with the T20 World Cup, you know, they have the first round of matches, which in this case will have Sri Lanka, Ireland, PNG, Oman, and Oman themselves, Bangladesh, Namibia. And they, they, they'll play the qualifiers, Netherlands and Scotland as well. So I, I, the way I look at it, I think maybe that leg of the tournament might be played in Musket. Uh, they have two international grounds. Both have been, uh, you know, certified by the ICC. So I- interesting. And just on that Netherlands thing, I before I logged on, Paul, I went and checked the pronunciation of Utrecht. You know that's the beauty of uh, that's the beauty of uh, cricket growing. These these are places I never thought I'll have to talk about. So Utrecht, yeah, I I, I practiced it in slow and fast. Beautiful, <laughs> absolutely sublime. Well, that's the end of today's show. We're leaving on the note that Oman is likely to host a World Cup match in T Twenty cricket prior to Australia ever doing so. That's something you probably would have got some some good money about in years gone by. Thanks, Barrett. Great to talk to you, and we'll be back with another edition of Cricket Daily tomorrow. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.